Church, a uh, good day to worship, isn't it? Um, what day isn't, but it's a really great day to worship, and especially with you. I really feel, always feel privileged to do that. And we're in the middle of a message series that's really focusing on the names of Jesus that are found in the Bible, pointing to him. And um, the intent of this series really is to help you dive in deeper in a richer way to know him, and knowing him to grow closer to him and have this great experience with the living Lord. And the names of Jesus matter, and Scripture is really rich with a long list of them. We're just going to focus in on a few of them, and this morning we're going to focus in on one particular one that's found in the Old Testament, has roots in the Old Testament, and it's rich, and it's found right in the Christmas story. You'll pick it up in beginning in Matthew chapter 2. For those of you who have not come with a Bible, there's Bibles provided for you. I'll give you the page number because what we're going to do is we're going to go through a series of passages to help you see the, the arc of how Scripture speaks about this name. And for those of you who are like great students of the Bible and you can like whip right open to that book, that's great. I'll just tell you the, the reference where it's found. And for those of you with phones and you know, electronic devices, that's great too. We love you. Feel free to use those. So the first one is in Matthew chapter 2. And here's the scene in Matthew chapter 2. The beginning, you remember, it's the scene of the Magi who have been coming at this long distance to try to discover the promised Messiah, the Christ. They're coming this long distance. And they finally arrive in Jerusalem. And they've been following this star. And they want to know exactly where he's supposed to be born and so they start asking, and they apparently go to the authorities. They ask Herod first, and that's trouble because Herod doesn't want anything to do with the coming king. And their questions, as they start to ask him, causes a whole unrest in the city of Jerusalem, and people are annoyed and irritated and, like, troubled with it. But the chief priests and the scribes, they know where he's supposed to be born. Although many of them have let go of a hope for a Messiah, as we talked about last week, they still know this passage in Micah chapter 5 that pointed in that direction. So here is the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 2. It's found on page 807 in your Bible. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ, that is the Messiah, the promised one of God, was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it's written of the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, they're quoting, quoting from Micah 5, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. It's talking about the Messiah. And he has a, he has a title. He's going to be a ruler, a king with authority. But he's going to play a role, a specific role the Messiah is. And isn't that an interesting role that Micah talks about? He's going to be a shepherd. He's going to have a role of a shepherd to shepherd his people. For the people of Israel, that imagery, it resonated with them. They got it. They understood what that looked like, felt like. Because for them, um, their greatest king, David, was a shepherd, right? He, he was a shepherd, and it affected the way that David ruled and thought about his people and cared for his people and the way that he um, his empire grew because it came out of his roots and the way he wrote in the Psalms, it, it affected him. 
So they understood that. They also understood that you know, sheep were central to their economy. So they knew what shepherding was all about. They'd go outside on their way to work, if they're working at Google or wherever, and um, they'd go past shepherds out in their fields doing their thing, and they understood, okay, I know what a shepherd's job is. He's supposed to protect and care for the flock out there and help them thrive and grow and be healthy and reproduce, and that's what the shepherd's job is. So they got the imagery of what a shepherd is. And there's another interesting twist that over the course of Israel's leaders, those people who played the role of a priest or those people that stepped into a role of a king, they were required by God to be good shepherds. That is to protect, to care for the flock, the people, and to look out for them, to not put their own interests first, but to be vigilant, to care for the needs of others. That was their role. And when they blew it, then the prophets would all often speak into those rulers to say, you're not shepherding well. You're forgetting your chief role. So the people, they understood this history, and they had this image of the Messiah who would take the role of a shepherd. It made sense to first century Jews that their Messiah would have this role of a shepherd. In fact, God himself was modeled this way, this kind of leadership as a shepherd. And we discover that really toward the beginning of your Bible. It's found in Genesis chapter 48. Genesis 48, you'll find it on page 42 of your Bible there. Genesis 48, 15 says this, And he blessed Joseph, that is, Jacob did. So Jacob's at the end of his life, and he's going to pass on a blessing to his sons. And he turns to Joseph, his beloved son, and says, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. That's how I want you to know him, son. I want you to know the most important characteristic that is part of my relationship with God is that 24-7, he was a shepherd for me. He had compassion on me. He cared for me. He looked out for me when I needed protecting. He, he risked his life for me. He, he was my shepherd. So that imagery is powerful from the very beginning. They had this protection or this image of God himself being a shepherd. Of course, many of you know the most famous in Scripture uh, description of the Lord being that is found in Psalm 23, right? So Psalm 23, that's on page 458 in your Bible if you're just starting to navigate around the Bible. Psalm 23 begins with these words, the Lord is my Yeah, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me and your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You treat me like a shepherd. And in Psalms 28, 8 through 9, just a couple more pages, Page 460, the Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. That is, those that he has selected, his people. Oh, save your people. Bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. The prophets also spoke of the Messiah being a shepherd. And there's a great text in Isaiah chapter 40. That's on page 599 of your Bible. So Isaiah chapter 40, 9 through 11, and this is how Isaiah writes, 
painting a picture of the Messiah. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, that's the people of Israel, and herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. It's a powerful picture of this Messiah being someone who was really strong and mighty and able to go forward and lead his people and fulfilling a role of a shepherd who would tenderly care for his people, look out for their interest, make sure that they were safe and secure. So Isaiah paints that wonderful picture, and this from the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 34, verse 23. That's on page 722. Ezekiel 34, 23 says, And I will set them up, I set up over them, excuse me, one shepherd, so this is a picture of the Messiah from Ezekiel, the prophet, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. So Ezekiel paints a picture of this one coming from the line of David, the Messiah, and his role was to shepherd his people, to care for them, to love them. So how is it that Jesus lives up to this being the good shepherd, the shepherd that's being talked about in all of Hebrew scriptures. There's this wonderful scene, I think, that it reveals kind of the heart, the life, the passion of Jesus. It's found in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, and it's on page 814 in that Bible. I'd love to hear pages for some of you opening your Bibles. It's really important for us, right, to be able to listen to the Lord and know what he's saying. So Matthew 9, starting verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching them in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That is that a man, a woman, a child can have relationship with God through the Son, Jesus Christ. And you can have forgiveness of your sin. And you can have life eternal if you put your faith in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease and every affliction and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So the image that Jesus sees when he sees people, looks out on you and me and these people in the first century, it's like they're sheep. That's what they are. And they're harassed by all the circumstances in their life, the struggles, the challenges. And they need to be cared for. He's compassionate. He, he loves these sheep. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. He loves you. He loves me. He's, that defines who he is in the core of his character. He's a God of love. And the passage that speaks probably most powerfully to this image of Jesus being the good shepherd is found in John chapter 10. And we're going to park it there for the rest of our time together. John chapter 10. And that's on page 897. John 10 um, begins, actually, Jesus giving some, he's teaching, and he's giving some metaphors, and the first one is that he is a shepherd, and people are still wrestling with that, you know, what that, all that meant, and he said, here, I'm going to give you another picture. I'm like the gate, and I'm going to open wide to the people who can come in and find protection and health 
and green pastures here. I'm the way in. Again, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he's giving that imagery of that so people would understand it. They can have a relationship as they come into him. And then he says this, starting in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. He sees danger and he's like, God, the sheep aren't worth it. I'm out of here. He bails out on the sheep. His one job is to take care of them. But when he gets threatened, he's like, the sheep aren't worth it. Like, what would you do if you were a shepherd and you saw a threat coming and you knew it was a threat to yourself? If you're just getting like McDonald's wages, you'd probably leave, right? It wasn't a high-paying job. What vestment did that kind of shepherd have in the protection of the sheep? But that's not how Jesus is. That's not how God sees you, how he views you and I, is it? So Jesus helps them understand that. He says this, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. It doesn't say, I'll consider doing that if they're really good sheep. It doesn't say, yeah, if that's comfortable for me, if the timing's good, I'm going to step in and perhaps risk a few scratches. It says, I'm going to lay down my life. Jesus is talking literally here in the metaphor, but he's taking, uh, talking about his future. I am going to go to the cross and die for these sheep. I'm going to, I'm going to risk everything. I'm going, to, I'm going to be tortured. He knows what's coming. And I'm going to go on the cross and give my life as a sacrifice for these sheep because I love them. I'm going to give everything. It's who I am. I'm the good shepherd, not the shepherd that leaves, that bails. I'm, I'm the faithful shepherd. No one takes it from me, says in verse 18. But I lay it down of my own accord. I choose to go to the cross so that people might be rescued. I have authority to lay it down, my own life he's speaking of, and authority to take it up again. I'm going to rise again. That's part of who I am. I have that authority over life and death. This charge I have received from the Father. That's powerful, right? That imagery of shepherding like that. And the big question is, how is that meaningful to us? Like, what good is it that Jesus is the good shepherd? What kind of meaning does it have for us in the 21st century that he is the good shepherd and he knows us and he cares for us? I'm really glad you asked that, right? So in John 10, we discover that there are some defining characteristics of Jesus as a good shepherd. And he reveals them right in his word for us that are listening. The first is that the good shepherd protects us with his life. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That is, that little baby that the Magi were searching for and heard about in Jerusalem that day when they heard the quote from Micah chapter 5 was going to be a shepherd that would lay his life down for the sheep. And that word communicates so much, so powerfully that he will never bail on me regardless of where I am in life and the circumstances around me and my own disobedience, my own junk and brokenness God will still be faithful to me and to you. Amen to that? That's, 
that's such powerful news that he would treat me this way, and that's who he is. In their jobs, their daily jobs as shepherds, they would face all kinds of threats to the sheep. And it demanded of those who are professional shepherds and really good at their job to be vigilant and to be willing to confront and even fight off predators. That's why they armed themselves with staffs and rods, right? Psalm 23. Some of them slingshots like David. And they would, they would go to war. They would fight for the protection of the sheep. And the Bible tells us that Jesus risked everything for us, laying his life down to protect us. It was about our protection and our care and our rescue. And only a shepherd who really, really loves the sheep would do something like that. Nobody else would. Everyone else would would leave. And that protection, as Scripture teaches us, is not just this one-time event that he gave his life on the cross, dying for our sins. His protection does not end, did not end on Calvary. It's 24-7. He is present tense, the good shepherd of your soul. He keeps caring for you and protecting you and loving you, expressing how vested he is in you. He doesn't take a break when we wander off like a dumb sheep and get into serious danger. He's always looking out for us. Of course, that doesn't mean that we can't be an idiot sheep. Right? We can't go wandering off and do something stupid, fall in a hole, or wound somebody else. We are like that. Now, some of you I know are going to get offended by this. You're like, I'm not a sheep. Actually, I'm pretty intelligent. I've got all these skills. I'm a lot better than a sheep. But that's actually not how Scripture pictures you. It's a little bit humbling, isn't it? Think of yourself compared to the high and holy God who is almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, who has all knowledge. That's who you need to compare yourself, not to the person you're sitting next to. And in comparison, you're a sheep. You're definitely a sheep. You can follow other sheep and do stupid things at work and at school and in your neighborhood and whatever and on the internet. You can act like a sheep. But the good news is that Jesus is a good shepherd and he's willing to lay down his life. In fact, he did for us to protect us, to care for us. Sheep do all kinds of crazy things. Thank God he's a good shepherd. And here's another truth found in John chapter 10. It tells us that as a good shepherd, he knows us completely. Great shepherds, they... They know the unique wiring of all their sheep because they've known their sheep since the sheep was born. And they knew the sheep when the sheep was a teenager sheep, doing all the teenager sheep kind of things that they do to act in rebellion and try to make their own way as a sheep. Right? Maybe they're two or three year olds at that point because I think sheep live about 10 or 12 years. But all throughout our life, Scripture is telling us, this shepherd has seen us and knows us, our behavior anticipates us. That means he knows everything that's going on. There's not a surprise to the shepherd, to the good shepherd. That means that this week, when you struggled in your relationship with God, when you were disobedient, he knew it. He knew your motives. He knew your actions. He knew it all. And some of us, that makes us uncomfortable. We, we wrestle with that, that God knows us so thoroughly that there are no surprises with him. 
He knows the darkest places of our motives and our sinfulness. He knows our wreckage, our brokenness, our bent relationships. He knows all of it and still loves us, still has this great affection as a shepherd to care for you, care for me. And and not only that, to step into our brokenness and to lay his life down so that we would not stay broken, so that we would find healing and wholeness and care. He knows us completely, so thoroughly. He knows us when we're wandering. He knows when we're struggling to trust. He knows what we need to thrive. He's completely familiar with our way. And he speaks out to us in the middle of that with his voice and his presence. And that should be a really encouraging attribute of the good shepherd for you and for me. That he's the one to bind our wounds, to bring us back to health, to lead us to good pastures, to help us thrive. And while Jesus' knowledge, it may seem overwhelming to us, it really truly is a good thing because he never abuses our trust. He never lords it over us. He lives purely to express his care and his protection and invest in us in a loving relationship. That's what the Bible teaches us about this good shepherd that we have. And he knows all that we've been up to and still seeks to rescue us when we're in the thicket, when we're in the worst place, when we're bleeding out for help, or even when we're not, when we're trying to avoid his voice. Imagine yourself, you're at the sixth floor of this building and there's a raging inferno underneath you Something started this massive fire in the building you're in, and it's working its way up the building. The elevator is out, and the fire is shooting up as an inferno up in the staircases. You can't go down. You're trapped in this room, and the fire is coming closer, and you hear the siren, and you open up the window of the room you're in. You look down, and these firemen are there down below with a net saying, jump, because there's no other way for rescue. This is the only way out for you. And you yell down to them, well, wait a second, um, do you guys, can you show me your credentials? I would like to know if you're strong enough, and I'd like to know the tensile strength of that net you've got. And um, by the way, you're not going to like move when I jump, right? You're gonna, I can, can I really fully trust you? Do you know what you're doing as firemen? How long have you been on the job? And by the way, who started this fire? You get into all these questions And the fire, meanwhile, is still raging and moving closer and closer to you. It's going to consume you. And you ask all these questions. And one point, you have to make a decision. Am I going to jump and trust or not? That's what the Bible depicts as your decision, where you're going to trust God and place all of your trust in Him for rescue or be burned. Be consumed by your own selfishness and your own ignorance. It's a powerful image, isn't it? And what this image of the good shepherd is teaching us is it's wholly worth trusting him because he is good. He's a shepherd. He lives to protect and he dies to protect. He's fully on your side and he knows you better than you know yourself. 
And this is his nature, to love you, to lay down his life for each one of us, to care for us in that kind of way. And the good shepherd also teaches us that Jesus, the shepherd, leads us with skill, <clears throat> excuse me, with skill and care. Think back on the words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There are times in my life where I just need to be refreshed and restored. And Jesus lives for that. To invest in you when you need that refreshment, you're going to not find it in other places, but you will find it in him. And he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. There's nothing else that's going to restore my soul like the good shepherd. And he leads me in paths of righteousness. That he's, He trains me to live with a right moral compass that's obedient to the Lord, that lives in holiness and health. And even though I walk through the bleakest moments of my life, where there seems no hope, he's right there as a good shepherd, protecting me, present with me, looking over me. That's who he is. All these things the good shepherd does, and he does for me, out of his great care, for me, a sheep, a stupid sheep, right, in comparison. And he has this fond, faithful affection for me as a sheep. It's amazing, isn't it? Yet the good shepherd, in his great care for me, also calls out to me and expects me to respond to him. Right? It doesn't do any good as a sheep if I'm wandering around ignoring the shepherd. Because he is calling. And John chapter 10 actually says that the sheep hear his voice and know his voice. And while I may be only a sheep, there's a couple responses that I have to make to a good shepherd right, in order to be safe. First, when he calls, we should come running. We know his voice, John 10 says. It makes that assumption that if you have trusted the Lord Jesus with your life for forgiveness and new life, then you know his voice. You know the voice of the shepherd. And your responsibility is to respond to that voice. We've got a dog at home. Her name is Snickers. And love her dog. She's, she's been with us for almost 11 years now. And um, she has certain loves in life. She treats every family member different. And uh, one of the things she, she really likes and loves from me, not only is when I feed her and clean up after the messes in the backyard, but when we go running, she loves to run still. And every time I go running, she wants to run. And when I say that word, the R word in our house, Snickers, you want to go running? She goes crazy. She's like, you know, she's like wiggling and wiggling. She can't help herself. She's very excited. And I get, get the car key. I might jingle it a little bit and get her leash out. And she's like overwhelmed with joy because she hears the word. And she's going to respond to it. She's going to get out and do all that she's meant to do as a herder dog. She's a herder dog. And she loves to just go out and run. And she knows that I'm going to do that. And then while we run, I'm going to lead her along the path. And she's going to be good, but she's going to have a great time. That's the imagery here of the shepherd calling out to you with his voice. So that begs a question, doesn't it? How well are you listening to Jesus, the good shepherd? If that's 
what you're designed to do and to be, to be a sheep that listens well to the shepherd and that your protection and your health and the way that you thrive in life and the relationships you have around you, the way they thrive, depend on how you listen to the good shepherd of your soul. It begs the question, how well are you listening? Right? How well have you really listened to Jesus throughout your day, throughout your week? Now, the scripture's very clear about his voice, and you should know it. But I also believe that you get better at listening. Hopefully, it's not like our human bodies, where the older we get, our hearing goes, right? It's less acute. The older we get, actually, and mature, more mature in Christ we get, our spiritual acuity, our hearing should improve. We should know the master. And because he's been so faithful to us, we go running. We want to go and get close to the master because we've heard his voice and we know his voice is good. He's the good shepherd for us. So how do we build that skill? Well, first and foremost, we know that this is his voice. This is how God speaks to us through his word. How are you doing listening? How's that going? This past week, did you take some time, not just like as a duty or um, part of a, a study thing that you were doing, but did you take time in God's word and just say, God, I want to listen to you. Just let me step back from all the other distractions in my life. I want to hear your voice. Listen to your direction for me. Because I'm a sheep and you're a good shepherd. I just need to hear you today. I'm going to strongly encourage you to build that skill of listening. Scripture also tells us that we build that skill because for those of us who are sheep, who have committed our life to Christ, he gives us his Holy Spirit. And his Spirit is a guide for us it attunes our ears, our hearing to the shepherd's voice so we would follow him. It prompts us when we're about to do something really stupid and disobedient and know it and he starts convicting us of it. That's the Holy Spirit and the voice of God calling out for us as sheep to follow, to not go that direction. And the word also tells us that we, the church, we are calling each other, the voice of God in each other's lives to call each other to faithfulness and to listen better to Jesus. We see somebody, a friend of ours, who's really struggling, and we need to come alongside and say, dude, what are you thinking about? Like, I, I see where you're doing, and that's not healthy. That's not the, the voice of God, the direction of God. Come this way with me. Let's go closer to the shepherd. Right? That's our, that's our task as a body of Christ, and that's how we attune our ear to the voice of God as our good shepherd, so that we would come running to him. And secondly, when he leads and when he calls out to us, we have a choice to make, don't we? And as smart sheep, we should go running and get close to him, as close as we possibly can. All of us can recount times in our lives where we were stupid sheep right? Right? This week, like when we really blew it and we didn't listen to the voice of the shepherd and we should have followed quickly and gotten under his protection and yet we were being stubborn or resistant or whatever. We've all had instances in our lives when we didn't listen well, when we went our own way, when we got ourselves into trouble Scripture says, 
All we like sheep have gone astray. Isaiah 53. And I actually love the context of that word because it's found in Isaiah 53, which is a description of the Messiah, one who would come and give his life as a shepherd for me. He would, he would go through anything because of his great affection for you, for me. Isn't it amazing imagery here of the good shepherd, how he cares and loves us? And we know this, that the, the, closest, the closer we are to the shepherd, the healthier we're going to be, the more protected we're going to be, the better our lives will be, the more we commit to him being our shepherd and leading us through every, through all the good pastures and to the valley of the shadow of death, our lives are more secure, our direction we can be more confident in. We can be a confident sheep, all right, trusting in the Lord. This Christmas season, I just want to strongly encourage you to take this name as a strong encouragement to you. He is, men and women, your shepherd, your good shepherd. He constantly cares for you, protects you, and seeks your best. So take joy and confidence and trust in that truth and start listening better, listening to the voice of the good shepherd. Don't settle or listening to false voices, anyone or anything else, but the voice of the Lord Jesus who calls you to follow him closely and choose this week to follow him. Lord, I just thank you for um, this great image of who you are for us and who we are before the high and holy and majestic God. Sheep, not especially bright, but loved and cared for and vested in in such a way that you gave your life for us. Lord, I, I pray for those that came today that perhaps don't have a relationship, they've never actually jumped out the window and trusted you, that you would bring them to a place where they would turn away from their brokenness and their sin and come running to the good shepherd and just seek your forgiveness and your cleansing. God, if that's you, if that describes you, just right now, just call out to the Lord and trust him. Let him know that you trust him for life and life eternal. And for the rest of us, loved sheep, Father, help us listen. Just to stop and listen well, to know your voice and to come running this week for the sake of your glory and honor and kingdom. We pray these things in the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ who is our good shepherd and all God's people said. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.